Wir gehen es Ihnen und was ist los? It's deinen Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of Nintendo Voice Chat is sponsored by Gamefly. Here we go! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I am joined by Per Schneider, Philip. Brian Altano, Bra and Casey DeFritas. Hello? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome. No catchphrase. That's cool. Great to have my, you guys My catchphrase here. is not Philip either. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Welcome back to NVC live on IGN.com every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern time where you can watch us first. And then on Fridays, we upload on YouTube at 3 p.m. So make sure you come and check us out on IGN if you want to catch the episode a day early. Nice. Because we have a lot of stuff going on in today's episode. I'm very excited. There's, of course, a ton of Nintendo t- news to go over. There's a new Picross game <laughs> coming out. It's going to be the a, entire show. It's which a 42-minute segment. Yes. We've <laughs> blocked up 45 minutes just for Picross. Mm-hmm. Um, so get ready. No, just kidding. Of course. Uh, Nintendo <laughs> is back in the news. They've been throwing down the ban hammer, or the uh, legal hammer, I guess I should say. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we're getting some new GameCube Switch controllers from Hori. We're going to take a look at that, as well as, as well as some new Joy-Cons as well. So that should be pretty interesting. Uh, there's some controversy with the Pokemon director's recent interview with Famitsu. A little bit of a misquote, but Casey and I are going to go ahead and run over that for you and hopefully shed some light on it. And then as well as um, some new game releases, some big ones. Uh, one in Europe this week, WarioWare Gold. I'm super excited about it. Um, and then, of course, in the second half of the episode, we have special guests coming from Nykalis to talk about Code Princess EX and Blade Strangers. So make sure you stick around for that. But before we get there, let's go ahead and come back straight to the top of the show and talk about this amazing game that is coming out hopefully soon. Hopefully Monday. Uh, <laughs> we're still I, trying to figure out if it's a worldwide release or if it's just an uh, Eastern release. I totally weaseled this topic into the <laughs> into say. the run of show. It, it says Picross 97 times. I'm the only one who cares about Picross. Right? Of all, there's millions of Switches out there. It's like one of the best-selling consoles. There's tons of new games hitting every single week. Picross is it. And then there's, well, there's I think Picross. you've mentioned Picross pair every show I've been on with you. Yeah, it's my Monster Hunter. So, yeah. It's, it's so basically it's totally the same fine. as Monster Hunter. No, it's a great puzzle game oh, with numbers, oh, which means oh, uh, oh. everybody... Yeah, there was a Bye sighting. Zach. Bye, Zach. Big, big a quick little cameo. Uh, but uh, we talked about a little bit last uh, last week about Picross and how I love this game for traveling, and then there hasn't been a new one. And boom, of course, minutes later, uh, Jupiter, the Japanese company that has worked on you know Zelda, Pokemon, Picross with Nintendo, mm-hmm. uh, announced their title coming out only for Japan at that point. But actually, it looks like it's coming uh, uh, out everywhere mm-hmm. on August second for just eight dollars ninety nine. Oh man! Wow, you get That's so many hours decent. out of that. If no arrives, excuse, you have to buy it yes <laughs> and i i was thinking maybe i have to go back to my 3ds and download hello kitty sanrio picross to fill the gap that's true but uh, now thank you so it's like the thing with you where it doesn't matter what's on there you just want the no, picross i'll play it even yeah. hello kitty sanrio yeah and it's weird that it's still fresh it's number puzzles can you yeah can you clarify what kind of a game is, is it puzzles is it number puzzles is it just numbers is it like i'm Goku? very You're afraid of math you you have you have a grid <laughs> and it says numbers on the side and you you have to kind of figure out where the pixel blocks lie based on the numbers and how they yeah. intersect it okay. sounds like math and it's actually once you get a hang of it, it's pretty easy okay and it gets really really difficult and then a picture comes out in the end and this game uh, introduces uh, introduces a new mode where you uncover a piece of a picture and you build these kind of like bigger pictures. And I'm, I'm like making fun of pair, but yep. I'm, I was so actually good. totally hooked on Picross on yep. Switch and on 3DS. Uh, if you had Club Nintendo back in the day, you might have gotten the Twilight Princess one for 3DS. Right. It's mm-hmm. like one of the first freebies they gave away. Um, and yeah, you basically have vertical columns and you create this gridded out picture. Uh, and this goes all the way back to, I believe, was it the NES was one of the first games. Picross really old. Yeah, yeah it's been and, around for um, a long time. It had Nintendo characters originally. Yep. What kind of stinks about this one is that it's just 
sort of generic pictures. So it's like a mm. guy at the beach or like an ostrich or something, which are great in theory. I mean, ostriches are cool. It's at least the top five. <laughs> I'm hoping there are a lot of uh, ostriches. But it's like a giraffe and a bird at the same time. Yeah. That is a great animal. I've never played it before, but I'm so Play enticed it. by Pear's passion for it that I think this is going to be the one. Yeah. This is where I'm jumping in. Yeah, hopefully it's good. Yep. I had no idea there was a Twilight Princess one, though. Yeah. yeah there's a Pokemon really cool. one, too. Yeah, there was, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of ones. Ooh, there's yep. a bunch. And a Sanrio one. There's, on a whole, yes. there's a whole backlog there yep. for you. Um, cool. So that's exciting news. For but, some. Yes. Uh, and some not so exciting news for Nintendo, uh, but still very relevant and interesting, is, uh, yeah, Nintendo has started issuing lawsuits to multiple emulator sites, uh, which is, you know, nothing new from Nintendo. They've done this before. Uh, actually, a few years ago, Nintendo took down a very famous emulator site called EMU or EMU Paradise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've never been there. I don't. I don't download illegal ROMs. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the subjects in question uh, for this lawsuit are Love Retro and Love ROMs, and they're being told, <laughs> or they have That's been not told, an emulator site. I don't, it's a ROM site. It's easy to remember. Remember Love ROMs. Yeah. Love Retro. Yeah. Love ROMs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, they've been told to uh, take down all of their Nintendo di Nintendo titles from their servers uh, and pay a statutory damages rate of around $150,000 per Nintendo title. So that's a lot more money than the uh, virtual console yeah. that's for, the, for each game. To be fair, that site has at least six Google ads on it, and they're going to make... <laughs> <laughs> Probably seventy bucks this month, That's, so they're getting close. Well, you know what's what's interesting about this website too, um, and I think that this is probably more of a problem for Nintendo is that a lot of their website was actually using Nintendo art, like it looked like a Mario oh. level. Uh, yeah, and yeah, Nintendo be doing that. really doesn't like that. I don't understand yeah. how these sites can be up for that long. I mean, just bring it back to to any other media. If you took every alien movie, uploaded them to a site and called it Alien Paradise and said, watch these alien movies for free and hear my Google ads. How long do you think that would be up? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like a week? Well, or, yeah. Or no, I'm, I, I totally get it. I mean, uh, to play devil's advocate here, there is that sort of justification that you are allowed to own legal backups of... Yes. Of your stuff, how you obtain those is sort of nebulous. But but it's um, but it but it's not entirely true. Yes. That's like that's like saying I I own the alien movie and therefore I can make a copy of it and I can then upload it to a website. Like I think that's the the so owning the legal copy thing for backup reasons is so this kind of wishy washy reason. I think mm -hmm. the thing here is like so if I own a Pokemon game, mm -hmm. I can also have it exist on a ROM. And that is legal for me to own on a ROM as long as I also own the Pokemon game. That's how I understood it. So it's, I'm not allowed to distribute it. It's true. You have to create your own ROM, though? That's the thing. Yeah, I think... I, that's I what's think nebulous about well, no, it. Here's, yeah. here's the thing. It's is legality of obtaining the ROM in the first place. You're, you're allowed to, like, you know, rip your, your games onto a computer, and you're allowed mm -hmm. to have them there. But what... Um, publishers or developers like Nintendo really don't like uh, is BIOS. Like that's the issue because you need to you can create your own software to sort of run those games on there. But if you're using BIOS, especially like pieces of Nintendo's code, mm -hmm. that's when they get mad. Mm -hmm. That's when they'll start issuing the DCMAs. It's so. it's, a, it's a gray area. DMCAs. area. The, the the defense is yes, I already own this product, therefore I can own a copy. In reality, that is disputed, and that's what the the publishers go up against all the time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like they say, you don't need to back up our game because it's. Secure. 
secure on the cartridge. And if something happens with the cartridge, you come to us and, you know, we talk about fixing it. Like, mm -hmm. there's no reason for you to create a copy. It's the same with, you know, music sheets. Like, if you have music uh, sheets that you bought, if you make a photocopy, you can say, well, I'm just making it easier for myself. I don't have to flip through the book. In reality... Everything says don't copy, right? Yeah. Right, and so, but it's hard to enforce, and like the game publishers would be stupid to try to enforce you backing up something. Yeah, it or, was like there was know. like I think it was like Beyonce fell down or something, and she mm -hmm. was like, "Take all those pictures down from the internet," and they're like, "That doesn't you can't that doesn't work like that." Like we're actually going to double them now because you told us to stop. I think that's a little different, but yeah. well, yeah. you know, but, and so so I think the thing that gets weird with this is that a lot of their games, and this is not to justify piracy, <laughs> but a lot of their games are basically impossible. Some, not a lot, but several other games are basically impossible to play in 2018. Yeah, on current platforms yep. or even you know even like retro platforms, it's it's very hard to hunt certain things down, and that sucks, right? Yeah, and yeah. so like from an archivist perspective, I think that there is a value to hosting these things somewhere. That said, once you start profiting off of them, I can see where legal you know legal steps come in. So there, there it's is. difficult. No, you know? they, they they were totally profiting on on them. Uh, both of those websites were getting 17 million view, uh, visitors each month and they wow. were making ad revenue off mm -hmm. of that uh, you know through their website ads and mm -hmm. stuff so subsequently uh, they were both shut down yeah. Uh, yeah. both of those sites are not up anymore it's just happened a couple days ago do you think they'll Nintendo will actually continue to pursue them for the 2 million for no. each trademark no I think it was more a scare tactic <laughs> nobody ever yeah. that was that. like okay. when like Napster sued like this old lady once for all the CD <laughs> like the albums yep. and she they, they, it was like $25,000 a song yeah, she yeah. Was like, I have no money. No, that, that's, <laughs> that's the saber rattling part of it, right? Like that's to scare people into, yeah. and, and that's why this is so Shutting public, down, is yeah. so that everybody knows. Look, mm -hmm. I, I, I love the concept of preservation. There are a lot of people who are mm -hmm. engaged in preservation, trying to back up games so that they, if they ever they are ever out of print, there's a copy of them, right? Like, yeah. That's different though from making that then available yeah. for download right. on a website and serving ads on it. So. Wasn't there a controversy about Nintendo putting up a copy of a ROM on Virtual Console? Console? Like, didn't that happen? Where they took a ROM? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I heard about that. I think, it was, I think it was. I think it was uh, Super Mar Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that mm. this was on the Wii U. So, and I think it was just last year. It was in early 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, they were having trouble finding the source file <laughs> of one of their own games. Yeah. So they went to an emulator website, downloaded the Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario World uh, ROM, <laughs> and then uploaded it to Virtual Console and sold it to all of us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, technically, they own yeah. it. It's yeah. theirs, but yeah. still, it's amazing. That, that's that why archivism, that like, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's why it's important that there are museums and archives and people who are curating this content. Right. And, you know, we've had our friends like Stephen Lynn were on the show. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what they work on, but they're not putting everything up for sale. Yeah, and, exactly. That's I mean, there are so non right. you can. I mean, you can argue that Nintendo doesn't suffer damages if something that's out of print and nobody plays mm -hmm. is being downloaded, but the no, reality but I mean, is it is their, it is their property. Is yeah, and the, the other property. elephant yeah. in the room is that Nintendo is not currently selling these games on their platform that is making, that is selling millions of units. Mm -hmm. So, like, you, <laughs> you steal something. You shouldn't steal things. I'll Stealing say that. Stealing is bad. Stealing is bad. <laughs> Don't steal. I mean, but if you've bought Super Mario yeah. Brothers seventy-two times in right. your life, <laughs> but if like say you want to play, you want to play a game, and you reach for your Switch and it's not there, and you reach for your 3DS and it's not there, and you're like, I tried to be a good 
person today. <laughs> now it's time to steal. <laughs> At like, least I just, try. I, it happens. You know, it just it kind of happens. What if you steal from rich and give to poor players? Is that like, like a Robin same? Hood? Yeah, thing? like a like a like a Robin Hood. I don't. Nintendo didn't yeah. develop Robin Hood for okay. NES. That was I think it was a third party. It's probably LJN or one of those. <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. It sucks if this happens to kids who don't know any better. But mm-hmm. you know, like. The, the websites do know better. Don't, don't rip off stuff. You know what, Nintendo? Just release, you know, a nice classic virtual console style Netflix system on Switch, and I think we'll all be happy with that. Mm-hmm. I think that'd yeah, be really like cool. Yeah, or like standalone micro console. Or just a yeah. standalone, yeah, call it the oh. virtual console. I think that'd <laughs> be really cool. This is a tough one. It's a very it's a very tricky conversation. Exactly. All right, well, let's keep on moving forward. We don't have too much time, so we got to make sure we're on track here. Uh, Hori is, has just recently announced new GameCube Switch controllers, which is very cool if you're excited about Smash Brothers uh, and you aren't going to get the official Nintendo one. I don't mm-hmm. know why you wouldn't. But these are really cool because they're themed after Mario, Zelda, and Pikachu, and they're releasing in October. Here's a picture of it if you're watching the video portion of the podcast. I love the Zelda one. I love the mm-hmm. Zelda one, too. It's Mario's really cool. red, Zelda is black with the Hyrule crest, and Pikachu is yellow with a little black Pikachu mm-hmm. silhouette on it. What's cool about these, two is you're not going to need any sort of like adapter, GameCube controller adapter. They are USB, so they can plug right into oh. the Switch's dock. Uh, and you can reassign the LR, uh, the LNR, and the ZL and ZR buttons as well. Right. So. That's nice. They look yeah. like they have some additional buttons too. Is that yeah. like the capture button oh, and the home button and stuff? Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a home button, a capture button, and I think there's a turbo button right in the middle. Cheaters. Yeah, which is not <laughs> going to work for competitive Smash. Um, but uh, you take the shape that. is very similar to the classic GameCube controller. And, it is. and Hori uh, makes quality products. Yeah. Like good, it, the plastic and everything feels good, the material. Yeah. Uh, and the um, we haven't heard what the final, the length of the cords were, but they they're I heard they were based on uh, on their last iteration, which had ample. Yeah. They're not Japanese living room like shorter cords. They're not they're NES actually, classic. No. Long or the cords. original yeah. GameCube controller yeah. cords. But then it's USB yeah. too, so you can always extend it easily. Yep. And they're only uh, they're only about twenty seven dollars, so that's not a bad price. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So nope. No Rumble, presumably. Uh, didn't say anything about Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming there there should be Rumble, mm-hmm. but Who these knows? next these other Hori controllers here that we have uh, actual Hori Joy Cons that we got sent to us yesterday. Uh, do not have rumble. They're not wireless. But they are pretty. They don't have motion. Yeah, they're very pretty. They don't they have f- shoulder buttons. They don't, like, no. Yeah. But uh, no, they have D-pads, which is really cool. They do. Yeah, you do not have to mod your D-pad uh, or your own Joy-Con and create your own D-pad mod anymore starting in September because mm-hmm. Hori is officially releasing these in the West. I know that they were initially announced for Japan only, but they are bringing them to the West in September. Uh, and we've been playing around with them. I think for the most part, we both agree that we like them we like the way they feel but we're a little disappointed with you know how many features are missing here that yeah. are so critical but they to are switch. like half the price they yeah. yeah yes yeah. yeah yeah so i will say like right out the gate um when i first read about these they were blue and they were japanese only and now i believe the ones coming to america are they're uh, themed are themed after mario and zelda which means that they worked with nintendo in some capacity mm-hmm. yeah i think they're get officially things, licensed you have to get them licensed yes which i find that so strange that nintendo launched joy cons without d-pads which you know i understand because they want you know to have multiplayer that splits off and to have sort of like you know symmetrical play when it comes to each person having a controller um these don't work too well when you play 
video games with them sideways, you know, look at the sideways Joy-Con thing. But it's really surprising to see them put Mario and Zelda stuff on these. So I'm holding, if you're watching the video now, I'm, I'm holding the red one um, with Mario themed on it. I'm also holding up a white Joy-Con that I modded myself. And I've been playing Dead Cells and a bunch of other 2D platforming games um, significantly on these. And uh, I spent a bunch of time with both last night to kind of go back and forth mm -hmm. between which ones I like. And the result is I love them both. Yeah. Which kind of sucks to say, but if you don't feel like unscrewing your Joy-Cons and potentially, you know, breaking them or anything like that, you can get these for 25 bucks. The difference is you can't get a right one that will match it. Which, That's so which so stupid to me. Or what drives a lot of people crazy. I right. totally understand I mean, that. Yeah. Look at it, right? You have a, yeah. you have a themed Zelda edition left Joy-Con yep. and you don't have a matching right one. And the, yeah. and the black or gray on the Zelda Joy-Con doesn't match the gray yeah. of the regular Nintendo Switch exactly. Joy-Con either. Yeah. They're also slightly translucent mm -hmm. too. Yeah, They're so. missing um, wireless functionality. They're missing rumble of any kind, not even no HD buttons. rumble. Gyro. And there's no Yeah, no gyro. And there's no uh, there's no shoulder buttons. Well, yeah, because you can't remotely play them at all. Yeah. 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 So um, you can only use these things locked into handheld mode yeah, yeah. that's it so and these are really for people who have a pro controller at home that they exclusively correct. play when docked and then mm -hmm. are only going to be playing a single player game when on the go it's, yeah, it's basically true. if you want to play luminous like i don't like playing <laughs> luminous with uh, the left uh deep the the d-pad buttons mm -hmm. when on the go like it doesn't feel right to me and that game does not support the yeah. analog stick um right? i will say that mm -hmm. the i really like the shoulder buttons on them they're they very click clicky. very clicky. I um, like everything about the feel and the concept. I don't love. I don't love it in practice. Yes. Like I think it's confusing to consumers to buy something mm -hmm. that and comes it, with all these caveats for yeah. a machine that was designed to be portable and docked. Definitely. And then it does eat more battery too, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't have its own dedicated Ooh, battery. See? So it's actually yeah. it's eating into the switch's battery mm. life. Itself. And it will drain your Switch's battery faster, even when it's in sleep mode, which is weird. I, I, Yeah, I didn't play my Switch at all today. It's it's 3 o'clock, uh, and currently I started the day with 100%, didn't play it, just left it in sleep mode, and now I'm at 75%. Hmm. Okay, you know what? I had noticed that last night, too, because I looked down at my Switch, and yeah. it was like 33%, and I was like, I've been playing 2D games. So yeah. it's like it comes with more rules than a pack of Gremlins, right? Like, That's you really got to think about whether you want this. The good news about the D-pad is it is a more traditional kind of, like, it's like the seesaw construction that you don't get with the modded ones. With mm -hmm. the modded ones, you can push down on your D-pad, mm -hmm. and then it'll hit all buttons at the same time, and that doesn't happen with this. I, yeah. I wonder yeah. how many parents are going to go and see these and buy yep. them without reading all the caveats mm -hmm. and bring them home and have their kid be upset that it doesn't work the way all of the other joy it does work. it does yeah. on the box say right. handheld mode only okay. in like a red so circle at least there's that so yeah it's kind of small though yeah it's like shoved off Still in the bad. I, I feel like <laughs> it's one of those things like when i worked at a game store i would have been like by the way yeah, yeah. i love horror <laughs> so you but know. this is uh this yeah. is uh, trouble yeah 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 all right well uh we have a little bit more time here before we're going to jump into the leading games. So let's go ahead and move over to the uh, Pokemon director's controversial quote on catching Pokemon. Now, Casey, I feel like you can probably okay. sum this up a lot faster than I can. Um, so go ahead and take it. So uh, basically, um, Junichi Masada from Pokemon, he's been working on the Pokemon game since Red and Blue, had a very long in-depth interview with Fumitsu, which is a Japanese magazine. Mm -hmm. um, there's been no official translation, but Nintendo Everything and a few other websites uh, translated it. Right. Um, so one website published an article with the title Junichi Masada colon capturing Pokemon was too difficult for some players, which is one of the changes in Let's Go. 
with no context. So people mm-hmm. latched on to Masada said catching Pokemon is too hard and then got really angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, how could he say that? That's yeah, not yeah, yeah. hard. That's so easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the director of the Pokemon series. Yeah, so he's yeah. been working on it for a very long time. Right. But if you actually read the entire transcript, if you put it into context, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound inflammatory at all. He's comparing that mechanic to the new mechanic in Let's Go, which is when comparedly obviously a lot easier. Throwing a Pokeball without having to fight the Pokemon is easier than the classic method. Right, right, right. So if you read the whole quote, he said, there was considerable debate within the team concerning the absence of wild Pokemon battles. Up until this point, I had been steadfast in defending the mechanic as the series director. This time, though, I felt like we should try to change things up a bit. Personally, I've always felt that the weakening and capturing mechanic is a bit like fishing, but there are some people that aren't fans of that kind of strategy. To that end, as I mentioned before, I wanted to make these games more enjoyable for a wider wider audience of fans. As such, we simplified the mechanics. Until now, catching Pokemon has been vaguely reminiscent of fishing, whereas I'd liken the new mechanic to catching bugs with a net. I have to wonder if people will enjoy that sort of straightforward mechanic more so than the previous mechanic. Mm -hmm. So if you read that in context, he's comparing the two mechanics, and it has been agreed that he did say, like, Pear, you read the Japanese... Mm -hmm. It does say difficult somewhere in there. This particular translation kind of tried to add in nuance. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was respectful too. With yeah, company. He just he said mm-hmm. some people felt this way, right? Yeah, and like right. He, he's not. He's not trying to excuse it, and yeah. he's basically leaving it as, "Hey, this is what we want to try." Yeah, um, which makes sense because they're mm-hmm. trying to bring in that Pokemon Go audience, yeah. you know. And it's just when separated, and that's the only thing included from the entire quote. It sounds. A little yeah. bit inflammatory, right. but that's yeah. not. There's a lot more to that story than just yeah. that one sentence. Yeah. I <laughs> think the the real offensive part was at the end when he said, "I hate these wretched animals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only here for the money," which I think it was just really, really mean. Don't but quote us on that, please. No, not true. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Don't source that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out. Yeah. You know, I'm, I enjoyed the capture mechanic in the original games, and I liked the 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 kind of like the the worry about mm-hmm. like oh. I I made the Pokemon faint. Yeah. Kill right. Yeah. And and like messing up (laughs) when catching and like sometimes getting them right down to just having a little bit of HP like Mm -hmm. that. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. But I've also played all those games before, Mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm okay with being different. Mm -hmm. And I did like the capture mechanic with a Pokeball that I played at E3. So exactly, it was fun. And see how it works out. If you hate it, it doesn't matter because there's a core classic game with all the classic mechanics intact coming out in 2019. So there you go. Please be excited. (laughs) Get hyped. All right, so let's go ahead and jump over to our leading games, and we're going to kick it off with our pick of the week this week. And our pick of the week is Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1. Probably not 2, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, Brian, you've been playing a ton, or a little bit, I Yeah, I played say. a bunch last night. Yeah, yeah, um, of with, Mega Man with 1. With my uh, new Hori D-pad, which uh, is a match made in heaven. Yeah, what'd you think? Uh, I like these games a lot. I think that um, they... Weirdly, in some ways, they've aged better, and in other ways, they've aged worse than the NES games. Mm. Um, I think that they're really ambitious for Super Nintendo games at the time, um, and they do a lot of really interesting things to sort of change up the Mega Man formula if, you've only, if you're only really used to the NES games. This is basically a collection of all the X games. Um, they all play really well nowadays, uh, even though they're, you know, I, I don't think these games hold up as well as, say, like something like Link to the Past or Super right, Mario, right. right? When you're yep. really going back into 
into the really legendary SNES games. I think these are very, very close, though, uh, and they do a lot of really wonderful things. In terms of a collection, uh, it's all of the Super Nintendo X games and then a bunch of other features. You also have basically different filter options. Some of them kind of round off the edges on the pixels, which... Um, some people like, I personally like to play with like their original pixels. You can play with scan lines. You can change the uh, aspect ratio. Yeah. You can, you can add... play the Japanese versions too, right? Yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Th yeah, Things looked, when you go back to our old television sets, things looked a lot softer, right? Yeah. And so some people don't like that, yep. uh, like the hard edges. And what the developers did on the Super NES, they kind of, they picked adjacent colors to make things look rounder. So like a light blue, a slightly darker blue, and a really dark blue to make it look like a yep. round edge. And that's lost on the modern screen. It It'll look very yeah. pixely. And so you'll have the option of like a CRT filter. There's not really a ton of stuff there, but you can add borders and you can mm -hmm. sort of like um, shrink the screen or make it go fully widescreen, which affects the aspect ratio, ratio yep. and makes everything look stretched. It's not really the kind of don't filter rendering <laughs> options. Definitely don't do that. <laughs> that you'll see in like, say, your Neo Geo ACA games or anything like that. But there's a lot of cool stuff here. Um, on top of that, if you dig into the menus, there's tons of fantastic sort of digital archivist museum stuff here. Mm -hmm. I was geeking out last night because there is basically like 70 images and scanned box arts of Mega Man toys and action figures and Japanese capsule toys that were released during the era of the release of these games. So model kits, uh, like snap together kits, um, just little toys that you find in Japanese vending machines and stuff like that. Then there's also all the box art and, and concept art. There's full like FMVs from like animations that they did nice. for promotional material back then. There's uh, soundtrack stuff. So for the games, that's awesome. Um, for the museum aspect of it, it's even better. So I think it's like if you're a Mega Man fan and you really this was your era of Mega Man, mm -hmm. um, you you can't go wrong with this collection. Yep. Yep. Very cool. I believe it's twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, twenty dollars. Yeah. Uh, you can buy them separately, and I think you can buy them together in a physical release. Yeah. So I'm not crazy, and I said this on podcast beyond as well. I'm not crazy about the way they've segmented the digital rollouts on these mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. um, they did the same thing with the NES ones, where like one through six are in one skew basically, yeah. and then like nine and ten are in another one, and then they're doing the same with the X games here. Um, and I kind of wish you could just. Like Take them all, all upload them to a ROM site? Yeah, just put them all <laughs> yeah, on I Love ROMs yeah, and then yeah. get sued. Um, <laughs> that's only, I think, $150 million okay. in damages. That's good. So, no, um, it's worth it. Totally affordable. Totally, totally affordable. <laughs> all those Google clicks. Um, no, but I wish you could just take them all and just put them in one square. Because yeah. right now I have like four segmented squares of where all my Mega Man games are. And in lieu of Nintendo actually having folders or anything like that, you know, you're just, they're kind of all over the place. It'd be yep. nice to have one home for Mega Man on Switch. Yep. Hmm. But yeah. Yep. Go buy it. Can't that's, go wrong. Yeah, that's our pick of the week this week. $20 each digitally or $40 if you want to get them together. Um, highly recommend checking out the first collection. And if you really enjoy that, then grab the second one. Um, we have reviews on both of those as well. So I'll make sure to drop links in the description down below. So make sure you check that out. But another game that I think K Casey and I probably are the only ones who've played it so far. WarioWare? WarioWare Gold, Gold baby. <laughs> uh, it is out ah. now in Europe, releasing first in Europe and then out August 3rd uh, in everywhere else, I believe. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. We have another 3DS game, and this one's really good. It's yeah. really, really fun. I'm having such a blast with it. It's it's essentially a, an amazing nostalgic trip uh, through the entire history of Nintendo, essentially, through micro games. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, they're very different than what the actual games were. Um, like that was Excite Bike. If you're watching the video, 
portion of the podcast, but it's the WarioWare that we all know and love uh, with over 300 micro games. Uh, some of them are returning, uh, so you might have played a, a little bit of them from yeah. like WarioWare Twisted. But they've all been like remade essentially. So they right. like yeah. new graphics, new sound effects. Here's oh, wow. a Wind Waker mini game. Is that a Wind amazing? Waker one? Yeah. I know. Yeah. So Wind Waker is on 3DS <laughs> for five seconds. <laughs> so this is, I believe, the character that we're seeing right now is uh, Nine Volt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, this, no, no. Is, this, this is a different volt. one. So before yeah. with, with the Wind Waker, 18. that was Nine Volt. But there, anyway, there's a new character called Five Volt. Right. Who, is, wow. a, who is Nine Volt's mom. Exactly. Who has a bunch of new uh, n- nostalgic yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> Look at Brian's face games. right now. No, He's like, like blown up. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I, we, we oh menu. my god. Yeah. This is awesome. That's what I'm so talking about. I'm I'm weirdly probably the biggest WarioWare fan in the office. Like I'm crazy for these games. Lily is not here today. But yeah, yeah, that's true. I yeah. like I've almost hundred percented all of these games, and for some stupid reason, because I'm a stubborn idiot, and I put my 3ds like in a drawer somewhere. I kind of like. Stop tracking this one, and then mm, I looked yeah. up the other day, Same. and I was like, "Oh, it's it's here." Yeah, there's yeah. a new WarioWare uh-huh. game, and now I have to go charge my 3DS and play it. And I, you can I, hear WarioWare talk. He actually has voiceover. He yeah. gives you all of the instructions and all the tutorials. That's and weird. They're is really funny. No, it's hilarious. Oh my god, is he, it Charles Martinet? It actually Gosh. works. I don't think it's Charles. No, um, but it's really good. Uh, all of the cutscenes in this game are fully voiced over, so all the characters have voices. Okay, and so you kind of have to play uh, with headphones. Yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah you totally should if you if you're playing it. Um, oh is there and, 3D stuff? No, there's no 3D stuff. Unfortunately, there is. Is amiibo support, which is really interesting. I haven't had a chance to mess around too much with that. I don't think it's anything major, but it's you know just more fan service. This is a boss level. You play the entire first level of Super Mario Bros. like that, just like in, in a weird oh, rotating. rotating. That's, from, uh, yeah. that's so cool. Mario or Twisted, I yeah. believe. Yeah, yeah. It's from Twisted. It's uh, very so this, cool. This look, it's basically just a big mega collection of some of the best WarioWare games ever, right? And then Essentially. a ton of new stuff. Yeah. So, so uses the gyro. Yeah, uses the gyro and the touch screen and, the touch screen and then also buttons. So there's like mm-hmm. three separate sections you don't like they don't mix and match you yeah. just pick a character um, the road and it'll stay with and you know either the touch screen or the buttons but some speaking microphone yeah games. speaking Ooh. of those cutscenes every single cutscene in the game you can actually redub with your own voice <laughs> Which Casey and I had a lot of fun doing because um, when we went to go play this uh, a couple weeks ago at Nintendo, um, we dubbed over a rap battle. So uh, Casey and I had was, a rap battle uh, in Wario. Push Mo! Yeah, and I'll never <laughs> let that footage out to the public. Uh, it's dying it's with me. It's probably deleted. <laughs> we'll find it. <laughs> it's horrible. It's find but it's a lot of fun. Skills. It's very silly. It's such a silly crazy insane game but i love everything about it mm-hmm. and i highly highly recommend it this it's there's never been a better reason to bust out your 3ds totally off my radar yeah like, i kind of forgot that it was coming out same man i, I, feel I do want it that. on switch but i'll bust out the 3ds so, and i want to say like like kind of how we decided with uh sushi strikers this game is just i feel like it feels better on the 3ds than it would on the switch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. having such a big screen to try and do those micro games with the touch like yeah i that sounds miserable to me and yeah. sounds like it would make the game significantly more difficult as well. Mm-hmm. And the Switch doesn't come with a stylus and yeah. some of the mini games kind of need that um, preciseness that the stylus gives you. And yeah, I don't think we'll get a Switch adjust. They'd have yeah, to rewrite they'd have it to for change Switch things. to be different. Yeah. Yeah. It would so, have to be a, a, a touch-only yeah. game on Switch, I believe, because yeah. it's weird with the Joy-Cons. Or it. non-touch. And I mean, like I could see them coming out. Gyro and stuff. They came out with WarioWare games on the uh, Wii U and the Wii mm-hmm. and made it for those systems specifically. So I can definitely see a WarioWare game coming out for Switch made for Switch that works really well. But I'm kind of glad they didn't split it like they did before because I feel like the experience would be better on the 3DS than them trying to port it over. Right, right. 
Man, yeah, I got to I totally got to play this game. <laughs> I don't know why I forgot about it or just stop tracking it, but yep. I'm, I'm all in. Yep. All right. Well, this is a great place to take a quick break and uh, swap in our guests coming in from Nykalis. We're going to talk more about Code Princess EX and Blade Strangers. So stick around. We'll be back in five minutes. This episode of Nintendo Voice Chat is sponsored by Gamefly, the best way to buy and rent your favorite games. Gamefly.com gives you access to 9,000 titles, which are mailed directly to your door. For one monthly fee, you can play the latest and greatest games for as long as you want with no late fees or due dates, ever. When you get tired of a game, all you have to do is mail it back and they'll send you the next title on your list. That means you can get Mario Odyssey, collect all 999 Power Moons, visit Peach in every kingdom, and place an impossible-to-find Luigi balloon before swapping games. It is awesome. And now, Gamefly is offering movie rentals as well. Today, every Nintendo Voice Chat listener gets access to a free premium 30-day trial by going to Gamefly.com slash voice chat. That premium trial lets you rent two titles at the same time, and you get it by going to Gamefly.com slash V-O-I-C-E-C-H-A-T. That's Gamefly.com slash voice chat. Check it out. Welcome back to part two of Nintendo Voice Chat, where we are joined by, oh man, here we go, Toshinobu Kondo. That was good. And that was good. Nice I'm to meet sorry. you. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Yeah, I have the worst pronunciation with names ever. Enrico Trask. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us. You're here to talk to us a little bit about Code Princess EX and Blade Strangers, two games that you are both working on. That's right. Very, very exciting. So we've prepared a couple questions. Uh, we'd like to go through them with you. Now, Code Princess is releasing on July 31st. It's coming from or to Nintendo Switch. It was originally on 3DS, right? That's correct. Yes. Cool. So I'd love to hear more about what it's like porting games to Nintendo Switch uh, from 3DS specifically. And uh, was it easier than you would uh, expect it? Or is there anything that you didn't expect going into it? で、あの、そこは非常に簡単というか、非常にいいハードでした。ただ、え、コードプリンセスは yeah, so when we were making Code of Princess for the Switch, um, the Switch is really good hardware, so it everything went really smoothly, but uh, we did have a couple of drawing systems that, and uh, systems that were made specifically for the 3DS, so those uh, didn't go so well on the Switch, so we had to remake those, of course, but uh, uh, everything went rather rather swimmingly when moving to the Switch. Nice. Very nice. So how has your experience been working with Nintendo throughout this entire process? I know you've been working with them for a little while now. ゲームボーイアドバンスの頃からはい、任天堂のゲームハードでゲームをいっぱい作ってます。はい。で、どんどん作りやすくなってきてるので、あの、どんどん任天堂のハードがはい、好きになってます。<笑><笑> 
So uh, for me in particular, the oldest Nintendo hardware that I've worked with would be the Game Boy Advance. And from then on, I think things have gotten so much easier over the years to work with. So uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to work on the Switch. But for, for some background on, on, on Mr. Kondo, you've, uh, you've obviously have been working in game development, but before that you've, uh, you've, you were known for your illustration work, right? And so some of your characters ended up on the Super Famicom as well, right? ね、あの、あの、コンドさんにあの、あの、ゲーム開発だけじゃなくてあの、絵もあの、あの、絵もすごい上手いらしいんですが、あの、あの、ゲームが有名だけじゃなくてあの、絵も有名そうなので、あの
So, Code of Princess originally came out for the 3DS, and it did it did eventually have a Steam version as well. Mm-hmm. And even with those two versions, we still felt that there was a lot of things that we haven't uh, we haven't perfected about the game. We haven't finished it yet. And uh, so, well, while we were still thinking this, uh, we started development on a game called Blade Strangers. And Blade Strangers has a character called Solange that's pretty much in the lead. And uh, since Solange is the main character of Code of Princess, we got to thinking, well, why don't we, why don't we use this opportunity to make the best version of Code of Princess? Mm. And uh, we took this opportunity, and even though, even though belt scrollers may not be the most popular genre right now, they may, um, you know, beat up beat 'em ups. We wanted to make one. Uh, did you? Was there any kind of classic game that inspired you with uh, uh, with Code of Princess in the first place? I mean, when for for those who haven't played it, it is it is you know a side scrolling kind of beaten up game, but they're they're kind of um, they're like these planes that you walk <laughs> in between, right? It's not like uh, like Final Fight or something like that. You actually like switch lanes, which I think is really interesting. But w- what were the inspirations for this game? I know Code of Princess the Tokubetsu ano. あの、影響になったゲームとかありますかあの、あの、もっとちょっと詳しく言ったら、あの、レイルシステムが入っててあの、普通に左あの、左の動きだけじゃなくて、あの、レイルはあの、変えることはあの、割と大事なんで、それで
、まあ、ちょっとドットがちっちゃいからとかなのかなとか、まあ、ちょっと不思議に思ってたんですけど、まあ、今日初めてアメリカに来てでちょっとこの収録の前に散歩してたんですけど、うん、ゴーアラウンドそしたらあのなんかそ,そらんじゅぐらいのもう人がこう<笑>いっぱいしてたんで<笑>あそれで大丈夫なのかなっていう<笑>こんなら大丈夫だなと思いました。So,、uh, when we originally put out Code of Princess on the 3DS,、mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo didn't have any problem with it at all. But thinking about it, the pixel art was rather small, so it might have been hard to notice a couple of things. <laughs> But、uh, so we had, we, we had a little bit of worries like, is this really going to be okay? And uh, today, uh, Kondo san is coming to America for the first time、mm-hmm. and coming to San Francisco for the first time. And on the way to the office here, There, was, well, there were a few people jogging in about the same outfit that Solange was wearing.、So. <laughs> well, welcome to San Francisco. Yes. So <laughs> if it's here, then it's got to be okay. <laughs> yeah,、uh, well, Nintendo has changed a lot over the years. They, I mean, if、yes. you remember, and J- Japan and US have always been very different. You yeah. Know, if, you, if you go back and look at the Fire Emblem series,、uh, Japan versus the US. In the US, N- Nintendo was famous, of course, for、um, you know, censoring Mortal Kombat and replacing blood with sweat and all of that. Yeah. But,、um, but it, it seems like they've changed a lot, huh? Yeah, they're, they're adapting to the new age, it seems like.、Um, so, Blade Strangers,、uh, if you're not aware, it comes out next month, August、uh, 28th. And it's sort of a, like an epic crossover game with, that features like, a ton of really popular indie. Uh, indie game characters like、uh, Isaac from Binding of Isaac and Shovel Knight is in it as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, the guy from Gunvolt,、uh, yeah, is in it. So, wh- what, was it, what was the process like accumulating all of these characters, like reaching out to other developers? Did you find that they were mostly like, interested in, in you know,、uh, giving you their, their character, their IP to work with、uh, for, for the game? I don't believe the strange as it did. I don't. すごいいろいろなあのゲームのキャラが生えてるのであのアイザックだったりあのシャブルナイトやガンボルトも生えてるんであの他の他の会社との相談っていうかあのどうやってこ,このキャラとかどうやって撮ったんですかあのどんな感じでしたかあのなるほど僕の会社はもうなんか張り切ってこのキャラ使ってくださいみたいな感じでしたかあそうですねあのー、ゲームがやっぱ自分もすごいゲームが好きで、まあ、この「ブレード・ストレンジャーズ」を作っててでそのやっぱそのなんですかねこう参加してくれるその人たち会社の人たちっていうのはやっぱそのゲーム好きなんだなっていうそのゲームが好きな人たちっていうのがこうなんですかねキャラクターが集まってきたっていう感じはあって、あのーうん、そういうやっぱゲームが好きな気持ちっていうのが。<笑>非常につなげてくれたかなっていうのとあとやっぱりその一番最初はあの最前線だけであのスタートしたんですけどあのニカリスと一緒にその始めたっていうことによってそれによってそのバーッとこういろんなそのコネクションというか世界が広がったのでそれで本当にどんどんどんどんキャラクターが集まってきてもうなんか本当に考えられないようなキャラクターが集合したはいゲームになって嬉しいです<笑>。Yeah, so... Uh, Kondo-san personally loves games, and that, w- that was the feeling when making this game and when reaching out to other developers. They were other developers who loved games. And if you can have that connection, then it's, I don't want to say easy to use other, other, other、uh, companies' characters, but I think 
there was a lot of really positive reaction and a lot of positive feedback, and mm. uh, things went really smoothly with that. And originally, the game was actually just made by Saizen-san alone. So it was only using Saizen-san characters, uh, like uh, Solange. And, uh, but working together with Nicholas, then all of a sudden they were able to, well, able to reach out to so many other developers and companies, and uh, uh, the roster increased incredibly. So, How big is the roster? So right now there are 14 characters. Nice. Very, very cool. Um, one, one thing that I think is really interesting about your game is that the, you know, the graphics are obviously 2D, but you have a really interesting process for, um, for creating the characters. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mentioned Mortal Kombat. There's actually, a, <laughs> there's actually a, a, you know, some synergies between how the characters are being created, right? <laughs> あの、ブレイドストレンジャーズのアートスタイルについてはあの、ちょっと面白いところと思いますのはあの、もともとは3Dキャラがあの、2Dで、あの、使ってきてる技術で、ま、うちのその特徴と言いますか。ま、うちの強みの部分っていうのが一つあります。で、もう一つはあの、so, Saizen uh, Sen has been working with this this sort of a graphic style for over ten years now, and uh, so we can we can call it sort of a strong point for us, and we've ha- we've had a good bit of experience with it, and when when it comes to say if you have to change an animation a little bit, um, when you're able to change the 3D model directly, it makes the whole process so much easier, and uh, we, we find that it makes it a lot better for a lot better for the final product. So, so I mean, for a lot of fans who play games and, and watch shows like these, you guys are really living the dream, right? You get to <laughs> you get to work on video games. You get to live in in Saitama in Tokyo, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm just curious. You're not just a, a translator as well. You're you're a programmer. Uh, that's right. Yes. For for the team, um, and I'd love to hear from both of you. How did you get started? How did you get into this? You you started as an illustrator. How do you how do you even start with that? There's so many people love to draw. How do you make that a job? あの、楽しそうだと思いますが、あの、どうどうやってこれが仕事になりましたか、あの、あの、絵を作ったり、あの、ゲームを作ったり、あの、どうやって仕事になりましたか。えっと、自分が学生時代にはパソコン買っても今
for Kondo-san, uh, back when he was still a student, uh, he bought a computer, and uh, there wasn't really uh, Apple computers at the time, but uh, he, he got a computer, and there wasn't really much to do with it, so the only thing that he could have fun was making games on his computer. Hmm. So he was doing this for a while, and uh, before he realized it, I, he was also drawing. Uh, he was also drawing these amazing pictures, of course. And before he realized it, this just became his work. That's awesome. And you're, I mean, you're a local boy, right? <laughs> you're, you're from Santa Rosa. Uh, that's right. I'm from and, uh, Santa Rosa, California. And how, I mean, how how do you pack up everything here and just reappear in in Japan and work on a video? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, this is. <laughs> Okay, so for me in particular, uh, I did a year-long study abroad in Japan and uh, just to see if I could do it. I wanted to see if I could learn the language and have fun. And uh, for a long time, my favorite game has been Umihara Kawase, which was uh, not Saizen Sen, but uh, at the time it was uh, it was the first game that I, I believe was published with uh, that Kondo-san had worked on. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an amazing game. And... So when I had first started learning Japanese, I had sent Studio Size and sent an email saying, this is my favorite game ever. Thank you so much for putting this out. And I think I had sent some complaints about, like, please release this game. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, so you did the fan thing. You yeah, did, yeah the, that's the exactly Total fan outreach, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I wanted, I wanted to see if I could use Japanese. It was terrible Japanese, by the way. And a couple of years had passed, and uh, I wanted to start working in Japan. So... Uh, I moved to Japan, or I went to Japan, and I sent out my resume to everywhere, including Saizen Sen, and I just wanted to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, amazingly enough, I actually got a response, and I was like, wow, maybe if I show up to an interview, I can get a signature. So <laughs> You weren't even considering the job, you just wanted a signature? <laughs> I absolutely wanted the job, but I, 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 didn't think it, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think that this dream could actually come true, so... Uh, I, I sent in my resume and I showed up to an interview and uh, he actually asked me, so did you actually want a job? <laughs> 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 and uh, I, I got the signature, I got the job and uh, and being a programmer for the company that made my favorite game of all time is just really cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. super, what a super journey. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to have you both on the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Kondo and Rico, for joining us. Blade Strangers is out on July 31st, and I'm sorry, August 28th. Code Princess XEX is out July 31st, both for Nintendo Switch. So make sure you check it out because uh, I've been playing Code, Prince Code of Princess EX, and I'm frankly quite enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, so, yes, thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you, Pear, you. for uh, helping me out here with this thank you and uh yeah that's our show this week we're a weekly show on ign.com live every thursday at 3 p.m pacific 6 p.m eastern time and upload every friday on youtube at 3 p.m pacific 6 p.m eastern time as well so with that we will see you guys next week thank Take you care. thank Later. you bye Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.